Good morning, I'm Paul, host of the new PL, and I'm very grateful you've taken the time to join us today. We believe business needs a new PL, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss. Because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose, and your leadership has a clear vision and focus and strength and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. This week, I'm speaking to real estate entrepreneur Willie J. Davis and Vice President of Marketing for VC firm Panoramic Ventures, Tammy McQueen. And I discuss with Willie and Tammy how the last 12 months have shaped their careers and their entrepreneurial journeys, as well as their views on what leadership, entrepreneurship, and the relationship between brand and consumer looks like as we slowly emerge from the pandemic over the next 12 months. So Tammy, Willie, a very warm welcome to the new PL. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, pleasure. Um, perhaps we could start the podcast by you both just giving a bit of a background to your to yourselves and to your entrepreneurial journey. And Tammy, perhaps if we start with you. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. And thanks so much for having us. I started my entrepreneurial journey after being in the business to business software space um, for several years. And I had worked for a rocket ship, if you would say, um, of a software startup. And after going through several funding rounds through their series A, B, and C, I left to start a agency that focused on consulting for B2B startups as well in a similar space. And so that was in 2017 and was on that journey for three and a half years, almost four years and uh, had an opportunity to work with some really incredible companies, innovative brands in the business to business software space, but also on the consumer side. Yes. Um, and so that was quite the journey over there and have mm -hmm. since gone onto the other side of the table now in venture capital, working with entrepreneurs <laughs> in that same journey. Thank you. And, and Willie, your, uh, your entrepreneurial journey thus far? Uh, yes. Um, like Tammy, um, mine started in early 2017 as well. I spent about 10 years um, in corporate marketing for various industries, automotive, publications, retail. Um, yeah, so early 2017, I got into real estate. So I became a real estate agent um, in Metro Detroit. I, you know, working obviously with your normal buyers and sellers and a little investment, uh, investing as well. And then... About a year ago, Tammy and I, which we'll get into a little later, we started our podcast um, just to kind of, you know, build on conversations that her and I have had. Yes. And then more recently, over the last few months, um, I've been in the process of beginning my transition from Detroit here to Atlanta. Um, and just to what I like to call expanding <laughs> my real estate business, um, you know, and just you know, looking for a new challenge, a new opportunity. And, and I think for myself, Atlanta is the perfect place to do that for me and my fiance. Yeah. One of the uh, key things that drew me to you both in terms of having you on the new PL was your podcast. And I'd listened to a few episodes uh, there. And, you know, as we move out of the pandemic slowly or emerge slowly over the next few months, some of the areas that you touch on in your own podcast principles, value, trustworthiness in a brand are going to be seen in a new light, I think, by consumers. And I wondered what your view was as what the relationship would 
how the relationship will change between customers and brands after this 12-month experience that has, I guess, demonstrated great brands in some areas and exposed the true element of some brands and others. And uh, it'd be great to get your feel on that just to start the conversation. Tammy, perhaps with you. Ah, uh, yes, this was such a great conversation. We, going through these questions, we thought, oh, it, it really sparked a conversation we had last year, just as this kicked off. And like, yes. wow, I believe that's been a year ago that we started having this conversation. Yes. And it's so true, I think, and, and really has, you know, we'll, we'll talk more on this and build upon what I'm sharing. And we've seen so much of brands having now a voice coming through. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about how, do you remember when every single brand had a check mark and said, we're in this together? A year ago, every <laughs> brand said, we're in this together. Yeah, do you, in these unprecedented times, how many times have you heard that come through? And what's so bizarre is that, did you really feel as though you were in it together with Doritos potato chips? <laughs> Yeah. Or I mean, I was in a bag of chips, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and it's unbelievable how these brands sort of position themselves and suddenly said, "Oh, we have to say something. We have to speak up about something." Then it morphed yeah. into last summer, where brands were now having to check a box with the Black Lives Matter movement, mm -hmm. and it was no longer can we say this, can we not? And so let's just slap it onto a piece of social media and mm -hmm. put it out there, whether it was genuine or not. We've since evolved so much from that yes. in what we see now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, we kind of joked about it, you know, with everyone saying we're in this together and almost to, it got to a point where from a consumer standpoint, you, those words started to feel disingenuous. So here we are fast forward a year later. And for example, if you take the airline industry, just that industry, they all said, we're in this together, we're gonna get through this, we're gonna do these things. Well, here we are, you know, spring 2021, and there's really only one airline that stands out that is still putting the consumers first, the consumer safety first, and not their bottom line. You know, you have uh, Delta Airline that is still leaving that space. They're boarding from the back of the plane to the front. Um, they're still letting you make changes with no fees and things like that, where some other airlines saying, hey, let's get as many people on the plane as possible. We need to build back up. So that's where that disconnect of March 2020, we're in this together to they're only in it until their bottom line starts to hurt. So that's that's kind of what we were really seeing, uh, you know, where those those best brands and consumer brands um, kind of go to the surface, the ones that are really putting their consumers first. And I think that's, you know, that's where it's most important. Yeah. I feel though we, we will find this this odd dichotomy as we as we start to emerge because more consumers will have pressure on their individual incomes. And mm -hmm. so they may be more forgiving than they should be if some brands and their discrepancies because it, it ultimately comes down to price. And I and I wondered, you know, do we do we find ourselves in a new world where consumers recognize the value that a brand places on them or or are we too optimistic 
in that area? Do we think it will ultimately come down to when a consumer looks at brand A and brand B and brand A lives by principles, but brand B happens to have a, a cheaper product that fits better with the individual's budget? You know, are, are, we, are we being too optimistic? I'll be honest with so perfect example, and not to say that Amazon doesn't stand for anything, but I think Amazon is the that brand where no matter what they say or do, the yeah. fact that they'll get something to me tomorrow will trump anything. Yeah. You know? And and you know, you, you kind of look where, you know, you have the small mom and pop shops and things like that, or you have you know, what's at least here in the US, our postal service has really gone through it over the last year. Um, and you want to support them, but I also want my coffee maker here tomorrow. Yeah. And I think that's a cultural, I think it's very much a cultural yeah. situation, but that's a great point from Amazon where yeah. it does, the convenience matters mm -hmm. and your it makes your life so much easier. But then I think it is generational. I think you see the Gen Zs that have such a huge societal impact yes. on social causes where they can really lead the direction in a lot of things and they might yes. revolt against something like that. Um, but I think in services-based businesses, you do focus yes. on your small mom and pop shops mm -hmm. or you support local farmers markets, you definitely yes. support that mm -hmm. for sure. But And then you also see, you know, you say if you go on Google and you're looking for something locally um, or on Pinterest or wherever, you're starting to see more companies uh, be flagged as whether they're black owned or they're LGBTQ, you know, supported um, brands and, and businesses and, and those those are the ones, you know, even my fiance, we've looked at a lot of different things over the last couple of days. And that's something she'll kind of notice. And, and you would just kind of gravitate toward a little bit because it's something that we support and it's okay, let's see, let's see what, what they're about, you know? Um, so, so those are, those are some of the things over the last year you've started to see more of, and, and I think it's been resonating with, uh, with some consumers too. If every crisis, whatever it happens to be, however large or small, creates opportunity. And both of you were fairly new into your entrepreneurial journey at the beginning of last year, just a, a couple of years in, I guess, um, to that great degree. How did you change your business model? How did you adapt to the face of such a challenge in 2020? What were the, the key areas of innovation and, and business model adaption that you made? Yes. Um... For myself, I remember when when everything kind of shut down and in real estate in my market, it, we were shut down for at least six weeks. And I remember sitting at home and saying to myself a couple of things. One, I can't just sit here and finish um, Netflix. Yes. And that's also around the time I convinced Tammy and I talked to Tammy and I was like, let's start this podcast right now. And you know, those two things, it allowed us to start having conversations yes. um, just about what, you know, so specifically with our podcast, having those conversations that her and I had the year prior, even when we didn't have the pandemic weighing down in our business. Um, and then for my own personal business in real estate, I, I bought a Mac computer 
And I just started doing videos myself and just getting content out there. I said, I can't physically show a house, but let me try to be top of mind and be a subject matter expert for people. Everyone's watching, that's all people are doing at that time, watching videos. So I just, I just put out inform um, informational content so that when things were getting back open, I was ready to go. And by me making that pivot at that time, um, I, it, it really helped make my business that much more successful in the latter parts of 2020. Yeah. And yeah, Tammy, from your perspective. Sorry, Tammy, from your perspective, yes. No, to that point, um, there was really no option. You just had to mm -hmm. uh, pivot at that stage, I yeah. think, sitting down there thinking to yourself, well, what yeah. now? Really, you didn't have much of an option other than to pivot and to make the next move. Yeah. Uh, Brand-wise, I was very much viewed as an experiential event person, marketer, whereas I had a, a, an entire breadth and depth of other offerings that I gave, but that was very much that point of what I was sort of known for as a marketer, whereas that had to pivot very quickly. Yes. And I remember going onto LinkedIn and setting up a Calendly link and saying, hey, let me help you, other entrepreneurs, other businesses trying to figure out what was next. And I gave a Calendly link for 15 to 20 minute conversations because at that point in those probably three weeks of we're shut down to what next, we were going to figure out how long this was going to be or how long we were going to be in the situation. Yeah. No yeah. one was doing anything except canceling contracts. And so I just put this out on LinkedIn and said, I will meet with you. I'll help you plan. Let's figure this out together. And so I just had back-to-back -back conversations. And from a psyche standpoint, I needed that probably more than anyone else. Yeah. It just kept me going. I positioned myself more as that thought leader. And you just pivot and you just help others. And you just kept having that conversation. And I think that's really where you have no other choice but to pivot. Yes. Yeah. Did you think... Um... One thing that I'm fascinated with is many of us in business over time, we take for granted, rightly or wrongly, but you, you get immersed in the, in the element of business. You take for granted certainly the channels that you reach your customer through, and sometimes customers themselves are taken for granted by brands. And what we saw over the last 12 months was the channels were literally removed overnight. You couldn't sell to a, to a customer the way you anticipated or way you hoped you would and many of the customers disappeared so brands had to go back to putting the customer experience right at the center of the business because there was no other option they couldn't rest on any existing channels or routes to market or anything do you think that ultimately without downplaying how tough and hard it's been for many many businesses over the last 12 months that it may be ultimately a very positive development because it's put brands or forced many brands to rethink the relationship with their customer yeah i think so i i think there has been a point of diminishing returns for building community and folks haven't really put much of an emphasis on who they're selling to and have just gone on mass to do so but really building that community at the heart and center of everything that a company lives for and builds yeah. upon mm -hmm. is so important because now not only are you selling to the same target audience but more often than not and likely during those early pandemic months and even still today 
you're talking to the same audience and they are likely experiencing some of the same challenges, um, difficulties in what they're doing or whatever your product offers them. It's likely they're going through the same thing. So now you can build a community with those folks where they can lean on each other and not just rely on one-to-one with the brand. Yeah. You are now building this community where they are together. They are um listening to each other they're thriving they yeah. are surviving in this yeah. sort of pandemic and it's, it's been critical you know everyone looks to a brand to be human there's a human behind that and yes. that's the biggest problem i've seen with business to business brands is that they don't humanize their selling they don't yes. really connect with their audience the way they've had to if you look at now zoom for example yeah. that was that changed the way that the world communicated. Zoom yeah. has been around for years and years and years. Uh -huh. Everyone's used it. We've all used it in our business setting, but now it has entered our homes and it's changed yes. the way that we live. It's changed the way that we educate our children. It changed yeah. the way that intercontinental relationships survived over the past year. And it's also changed the way that we've kept in touch with grandparents and friends and family around the world and around the country and so they've had to really find listen this is not just a piece of video conferencing software this is a way to build a relationship and to keep the love alive it's keep the yeah. friendships alive and they've shifted that narrative because they had to you know yeah. how many other video conferencing software platforms there are thousands zoom is the front corner yes and it's become an adjective you know a, a, a verb yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah more and more stakeholders internal boards employees key investors and, and external shareholders communities and and pressure groups are calling for brands to be more accountable in their approach to business and more socially and politically engaged and you touched on that with lgbtq plus and black lives matter as well and it's rightly no longer enough for a business just to sell products and services. They, those businesses and their leaders have a responsibility to the communities they serve and the, and the consumers they serve within it. What are your thoughts on how leaders step out of their comfort zone, I guess? For, for many, it'll be the first time they've been asked or required or they need to engage in socially or, or become more socially active. How do they take that step out with confidence? Willie, perhaps yeah. we start with you. Yes, um, I, I think the, the first step is just to be genuine. You know, I, I, I think in the past, especially before 2020 and, and a lot of things that, that came to fruition that year, it, a lot of those issues were, all, were always kind of considered, I think, a little more political. You know, it was kind of putting this political column. But then when you start to talk about Black Lives Matter, even more recently, um, you know, anti-Asian hate and things like that, it's important for brands to understand they're not political issues, they're human rights issues. Yes. And when you are employing, whether you're employing 10 employees or 10,000 or have millions of consumers, it is important to know where you stand um on some of these issues yeah. um you know so so i think the first thing is one to be genuine and to recognize it's not a political thing it's a human rights thing yes. and um and just being able to you know stand in your truth 
Um, so I, th I think that for that, that's that's kind of one of the most important things. You know, I remember last summer, you know, with the Black Lives Matter, it, you know, we kind of talk about, you know, Tammy mentioned earlier about just a Facebook post, you know, June 2nd of last year, whatever, when it was kind of just doing the black square on Instagram, but no one really said either one, what it means, and from that, um, for that brand, what it means to them. So just really just getting out that message and, and where you stand, whether it's a statement or something, letting your employees know, letting your consumers uh, know kind of where you fall, fall in that. You know, this isn't about donating tens of thousands of dollars to some political path or anything. This is really just understanding right now. And when we talk about Generation Z and Y and millennials, it's 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 these issues that are very important to them um yeah tell me from your perspective yeah i i think brands need to do it authentically and it comes through very clearly if it's inauthentic and yeah. not coming from a place of your core values and the mission of the organization if you're just checking a box that you are um, inclusive, diverse, you believe and support Black Lives Matter, voting rights. Yeah. It, it's not a political issue. None of these, is, is it harmful to anyone? No, you are in support of it. So it's not a political issue. It is a human rights issue. Yeah. And it does come through when you're not genuine about it. But you see these brands slip up all the time. And dare I say, cancel culture in the United States right now is right so yes you have to be genuine if you are genuine and you are authentic about what you believe in then this should not come into question but if you have a pr team or a brand constructing yeah. this narrative it will absolutely fall apart yeah. right mm -hmm. in front of you and you see it so many times you see it from celebrities you see it from brands themselves you see it from influencers um so if you are not rooted in those core values, it's going to be a mess. Do, do you think sometimes that some brands forget the critical role that consistency plays in that authenticity, you know, because I, with the best will in the world, many people come at it from the right place. But then, Willie, as you, as you alluded to, a week after or two weeks after, yes. there's nothing to be seen anymore. And in fact, you know, the authenticity doesn't come from a single post. It comes from that genuine commitment over time and, and well over time and over years and over, you know, rather than just weeks. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And um, kind of going back to authentic, you know, whether it's a the boardroom, first of all, starting in the boardroom, you know, that boardroom has to look like your, your organization. It has to look like your consumer base. You know, it can't just be, you know, a boardroom of six-year-old rich white men. Yeah. Um, there has to be some women in there. There has to be some minorities in there because we've all seen there's been, um, it's yeah. an organization will put something out there and we've all seen a post or something where we say, I'd love to be a fly on the wall when this was okay, yes. when this was approved. Yeah. You know, so that, that kind of checks and balance and everything. But yeah, the misconception is that one post or this one week or this one month of something is going to solve it all. Mm -hmm. And you have to, uh, you have to have incremental changes and just have that, you know, kind of ingrained 
um, within the organization, you know, moving forward. Yeah, yeah. Many, many people are naturally risk averse. And as we come out of the pandemic, many will also find themselves in incredibly precarious situations, either when it comes to work or income and some for the first time in their lives. And for some, their thinking will need to be more resilient and adventurous and innovative than ever before. They might have to start a business um, to, to supplement that income or rely on that income. What advice would you give from your own experience over the last few years? I guess for those who necessity has forced entrepreneurialism upon them over the last few months or perhaps in the near future, how do they dig deep within themselves to find that resilience to lay the foundation for a more confident future as an entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, I think this might be a cultural or a regional difference here. Yeah, I'm not mm. certain that I could speak from a United States standpoint where they forced into entrepreneurship. Um, possibly, but I think a lot are very much staying within that yeah. nine to five or right. that um, the comfort. A lot of folks that I've spoken to would not even dare to change <laughs> their job during a pandemic time. Yes. They would not even dare to look for another job because of these uncertain, unprecedented times we're in. Yeah. And so they wouldn't even look outside the organization unilaterally. They are not looking at that. So um, I think from what I've heard in South Africa and other regions of the world, that is something that has forced folks, maybe they were working on a side hustle or they mm -hmm. had some other skills that they did and they, they really embraced that. I think in talking through this, maybe it yeah. is folks that have other areas that they are skilled in and maybe now offer that writing <coughs> skill or copy editing on Upwork, for example, or Fiverr or a designer supplementing in that way. I'm yeah. not certain that folks are going out and starting an entire business because they're forced to right yeah. now. Just the overwhelming cost of that, if they were in a position, possibly. Mm -hmm. um, but folks that are without a job, I mean, you suddenly don't have health insurance because if you're starting a job, you can no longer claim from the government, yeah. for example. Yeah. So I'm not certain that it's necessarily forced in that way. Perhaps supplementing with other smaller yeah the gig economy, so Uber, Lyft, mm -hmm. Uber Eats, delivery, I think more so the gig economy, supplementing a nine to five yeah. with a another member of the household losing a role, as opposed to I'm going to start my business. <clears throat> yeah, here in the US, a lot of people are, are, you're talked into going into entrepreneurship. And I remember, I mean, even for Tammy and I, around the time when we got into it, I remember even just those early conversations even her and I had, and we were in a position to where we could make that decision, yeah. but we still had hesitations. We still had fears. We said doubts and, you know, and it was like, okay, I'll do it. If you do it, you know, you signed this, you know, and it was, yeah. it was still like this talking yourself um, into it. Yeah. But I mean, even to one of the other points or questions you asked, like digging deep, you know, whether it's, whether you do it by choice or not by choice and you're kind of forced into it, just going back to that why, mm -hmm. um, there, for me, you know, I've been doing it for about four, four and a half years and that why I'm often referring back to, um, 
even my early days in entrepreneurship before the pandemic, you know, I had some very low lows. And the fact that I got through it by the time the pandemic happened, I knew I would get through that. Yes. So that's why I was able to, at that time, shift my thoughts from, from not, oh, you know, when are we going to go back to work to let me use this time wisely because the government's never going to give us this time off again and paying us to do that. Like, let me take full advantage of it, <laughs> you know? And, and I just, you know, I, I, I was able to kind of shift my minds and thoughts. And like I said, you know, we kind of started the podcast, but you, you gotta dig deep. And, um, and for that perseverance and, and that why and recognizing, you know, I'm at a point where my worst day as an entrepreneur is better than my best day in corporate America that I've had. Yeah. Um, just even that the flexibility and the ability to um, you'll you'll get to a point where you will enjoy the fact that you don't know what the future is going to look like yeah. and you can shape it uh, for the most part any way that you want it to look you know a year ago I did not know my future would be in Atlanta a year later um, but I had the ability to make it do that yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned that um, you revisit your why on a, on a regular basis. Do you have a do you have a routine to to keep the why centered at the at the heart of your business or the way you think or the way you you go away and go about your business? Is there a routine to it? Um, I don't know if it's a routine as much as just the longer I've been in business, being able to you know, after the first year or two, once you get past that chasing phase where you're just chasing any business that comes, no matter what it looks like, you don't have any core values, you don't have any, you know, integrity at <laughs> you times. Take you, just, any business. you just take anything because you have a bill due. But, you know, actually going into 2020, and, and I'm fortunate enough that 2020 and going into 2021, um, I've been able to get my business to a place where I get a lot of referral business, but I'm just the clients and the people I'm able to help and, um, realizing that my business and what I want it to look like is bigger than me. I'm just a, I'm just a vessel. And when I say my business, my brand, I mean, my real estate business, I mean, my podcast, even this interview and conversation that we're having, yes. any information I'm putting out there, it's in hopes to help somebody. Um, and I'm just the vessel yeah. uh, for that. You know, unfortunately, God has just, you know, chose me to be the vessel. So, so I got to a point where my brand and my business is just bigger than me. Yeah. And once I got in tune with that, um, business was great yeah. what was the the trigger for each of you that turned you from an employee into an entrepreneur was mm -hmm. there a was there a a moment in time was it a gradual progression did you wake up one morning tammy what was your what was the beginning of your entrepreneurial yeah, journey you know i think you don't wake up one day and you think hey i'm going to be an entrepreneur today yes. you do not wake up with that i think you, we spoke about this very briefly, but you you have it in you or you don't. Yes. Uh, entrepreneurs are built different. Yes. You have a little bit of crazy. You have a little. Let me just lay it out there. You have to be categorically insane to be an entrepreneur. 
no doubt about it. Every single one of us has a screw somewhere. Yes. And that it, it, it grows in you until one day you take the proverbial leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah. Now, for me, it was it, it, it was coming. It, it was the natural progression of where I was in my career at that point with the right time to do it. And I had enough of a screw loose to think, oh, I can do this. And so, and, and I had the support system around me to do that. Also, and I, for a first time entrepreneur, an unknown fear is far better than a known fear. You don't know what you're getting into. Yes. And so I think for me, it wasn't necessarily a trigger, but it was ongoing. It was consistent. It was pull at you to say, okay, it's time. You can't ignore that any longer. And that voice is louder to entrepreneurship than it is in what you're doing in your day to day. And so for me, I had to just say, it's time to do it. I, if, if there was a time to do it, it's now I'm young enough, I don't have children and I, you know, I'm flexible enough in my life where I can always go back to a nine to five. If yeah, I need. Yeah. Which, let me just say, a startup is not a nine to five. So for me, it was something that was pulling at me for many, many years. You either have it or you don't. And I'm a firm believer in that. You, either have the entrepreneurial spirit in you or you yeah. don't. It's, yeah. You can't teach it. You're not going to go get your MBA and decide, I'm going to start a business. Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that. No. no. Yeah. And for me, I remember um, I was actually on vacation in Cabo in 2016. And I was I was there with uh, my best friend and, and a cousin. And, and just, I first manifested like what I wanted my career to look like long-term and getting into real estate in some, in some ways. And I, I think um, I had just turned 30 and I said to myself at the time, I said, okay, by the time I'm 35, I'm going to get out of um, corporate America. And probably the following year or later on that year, um, not too, you know, probably a few months later, I was driving to work one day and I was driving down the highway in traffic. And I just remember kind of looking at the same cars around me that I kind of see almost every day. And I loved my job at that time, but I think it was the routine of, you know, waking up at 5 a.m., going to the office, punching in, punching out, you know, doing that whole rigmarole that I just, at that time, just got bored of already. And I said, I don't know if I can make it to 35. So I said, by the end of the following year, so by, by the time I was 32, I would, um, I'd leave corporate America and I got my real estate license and I kind of started that journey. And a few months shy of my deadline, I actually ended up getting laid off from work, wow. uh, which, was, which was actually a blessing because one, I you know, got a little severance and everything, but it was that push that, you know, that I, I think I needed. But I remember that day, when I, I was in HR and they told me, you know, effective immediately the marketing manager position is being eliminated. And I think I, it was like this weight was lifted off my shoulder and I think I smiled or something. And I remember the our HR, yeah, I remember the HR manager stopping and saying, you know, you're taking this well, you know? And I said, just in my mind, I just kept saying, I'm a full-time real estate agent, I'm a full-time real estate agent. And and I immediately completely rebranded myself and just fully immersed it into that entrepreneurial, um, you know, real estate yeah. agent investing. And 
um, and just kind of went down that whole rabbit hole of things. And yeah, and it's, it's kind of been great ever since. Yeah. Yeah, most entrepreneurs don't necessarily have that trigger moment. They usually have dipped their toes into it yeah, in yeah. some fashion, as you did. You're yeah. doing it somewhat of a, a yeah. hard time. They, they call it a side hustle. <laughs> you know, I think it gets a bit of a negative connotation of putting it a side hustle. It is, it is a legit grind. Yes. And I think there is that. That was your trigger to absolutely go yeah. into it. But you, you've always dipped your toe in it in some capacity. Yeah. 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 Tell me a bit about the podcast, um, how it came about, what are the topics you like to explore and you're looking to explore over the, the course of this year? I'm, I'm fascinated to understand the, the background for why people are staying. <laughs> so Willie's the mastermind behind coming up with the idea. I'm going to let you carry on with that okay. and then we can dive into some of the topics. Yeah. Um, so all through 2019, Tammy and I, um, we had talked very regularly on the phone. Um, it was a rough year. Yes, a very rough year. So whether we were talking weekly or monthly, but there were a lot of tears shed. There were a lot of just of everything. And um, one of the reasons why her and I, we've known each other for about seven years, but one of the reasons why that year um, we connected a lot more is because we were one of the few people in each other's lives that were entrepreneurs and we that could relate to that. So... Um, so at, toward the end of the year, um, I had this idea and I'm a firm believer of once you learn the lesson, you have a responsibility to teach it to somebody else. And I called her one day and I said, I feel like we've gone through this struggle and these ups and downs for a reason and a purpose. And we've gotten through most of them at that time. And I said, we need to start a podcast um, because we cannot, we for sure are not the only ones that have gone through this or are going through these yeah. early entrepreneurial struggles and stuff. So, so we started the podcast and I came up with the title, um, listening to a Gary Vee book on my way, a drive from Atlanta to Florida, um, uh, his, his book, Crushing It, and came up with the title On the Verge um, because this podcast is for an entrepreneur who is on the verge of getting into it or getting out. Yeah. Uh, and you're on the verge of like a breakdown or a breakthrough. You're just kind of teetering on the verge of something. And, and that's really what a lot of our conversations have been. And we're, we're raw and authentic. And I know a lot of people say that, but I talk about times in there within the last few years where I had an eviction notice on my door just because, hey, a check, might be coming a day or two too late kind of things, you know. Um, the conversations where we were, I'm on my knees on my living floor, like just praying to God, like, hey, you know, work something out or where you're questioning like, why am I doing this? I think every entrepreneur at some point, if it's bad enough, they'll spend a whole day on LinkedIn just applying for jobs because they're like, you know, <laughs> what is this? <laughs> You know, yeah, you know and, and like I said, those were conversations that Tammy and I just had on a, you know, from time to time. And then we also have the successes and it's, and it's how to enjoy the successes and how to walk into them. You know, sometimes an entrepreneur, you might have a success and a, a big client come through or something and you might be a little uncomfortable with it. And how do you deal with it or work with it? So. So the, the purpose and the goal was to, to just be fully transparent with people 
Um, because a lot of people in our individual lives, they see what they see on Facebook or LinkedIn, and they think it's always all great. And I wanted to let people know it's, it's hard being <laughs> broke and it's hard having money. So choose your heart wisely. And, um, and then we were fortunate enough, uh, I, I guess, where by the time a lot of the racial injustice kind of started sparking over the summer, we had a platform where we could share our stories. Yes. And, uh, you know, with, with a lot of my friends and people I know, I've known them for my whole life. And by me being able to talk to them about it or, or you know, have a couple episodes about it, it was as if it was the first time they were hearing it or, or recognizing, if you will, that I'm Black. And I'm not the type of person that goes around, you know, contrary to what my sweater says right now, but I'm not always the person that goes around and, and waves my black flag and this and that. I'm, I'm reminded all the time. I don't need to remind other people all the time. So um, it was great to be able to share my perspective and my story, um, whether it be about Black Lives Matter, what it really means, um, what it's like being in the industry Black, just being Black. Yeah. Um, and things like that. Um, and then, yeah. and I think also if you're an entrepreneur and your spouse or your partner or your immediate circle aren't, it's really hard to understand what you might be going through. And so our hope is that this podcast allows folks to come into this space and to have those conversations, whether it's a one-sided conversation, listening to us and realizing you're not completely insane. <laughs> Yes, this yeah. happens. This is what it feels like to have a really bad day. This is what it feels like to be on a high. Yes. And so to take our conversations to fill that void that if your partner has never been an entrepreneur, they don't really understand what that might be. Yeah. Or listen, when you celebrate little things, I need a balloon parade. <laughs> so <laughs> there are things like that where come listen to us we'll, we'll have that conversation and uh it's normal it's completely okay it's normal there's you know there's something even below a, a, between a rock and a hard place you can yes, be between the, the core and the earth. earth yes and it's okay it's normal we try and normalize the idea that entrepreneurship isn't glamorous all the time yes. that it isn't always that you know some you know it's not first class it's not a private jet sometimes you're the middle seat on southwest during the pandemic no and sometimes it's the middle seat on a spirit airline flight there we go so <laughs> you know, you and it's like not it. it's, it's not glamorous yeah. always so i think that but also on the flip side of that being on social media and we're using that platform to gain your clients sometimes you cannot yeah. be as raw and authentic on that platform because who wants to work with someone who is really at the core of the earth and they're telling everyone about this. And so there's a, there's a balance between all of that as well. Yeah. And then, you know, moving forward, the conversations and the topics, now that we're kind of through or getting through the pandemic, you know, it's really of, of the entrepreneurs that may have made it through, you know, and, and kind of rising to the surface, you know, what does that look like post-pandemic? You know, what does that... Is it worth still going on? And I think if you made it through, yes, that oh, means yeah. you that you, you still have hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there and actually the pandemic has probably 
given some other people who before that maybe not have even thought about doing it. It's like, you know what? Yeah, now is the time because things are changed. You never, trials not promised. Um, so yeah, so being able to have those conversations with people and interview, you know, uh, some young people too, um, who might be also getting started um, and feeling that kind of like, whoa, whoa, what's what's going on? Is this normal kind of thing? So yeah, so that's what we're hoping to do um, in the future. Do you think as an entrepreneur, do you and don't imagine there is a there's a right answer to this question, but I'd love to get your view. I have my own. Do you think you manifest opportunity as an entrepreneur, or do you think you you rather become more consciously aware of where the opportunity is? For me and my business, I think one of the biggest changes that I made last year was I have a transaction coordinator, so part of it is just delegating. And I'm a firm believer by just delegating a portion of my business and my day-to-day task, it opened up more business to come. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of times as entrepreneurs, our business is our baby. So we want to hold on to everything, uh, whether it be the accounting uh, transactions, like all of the little things that we, that is just really wasting our daily, daily time. Yeah. Um, so it took me a few years because I'm paying somebody. So now you're like, well, I'm already making this amount. Now I have to pay somebody else on top of that. But for me, it really opened the floodgates for a lot more business and for me to, to be able to handle it. Um, you know, I, I say to people, it's like, it, it, by me doing that, it, it op- yeah, it, like I said, it opened up an opportunity for me to take on more business. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love to tell you that you can sit on your on your couch and manifest clients and customers. I, I think that's that's a great idea and notion to have that in you. But you recognize opportunities. You also become a lot more attuned to recognizing yes. opportunities are not going to always be there. So you become yes. a little bit more um, willing to take a risk on an opportunity that passes yeah. or that comes by knowing that it's not necessarily going to be there tomorrow because you'll miss enough opportunities to realize you're going to pay attention. Yeah. And and then also with the opportunities that are presented, you will also kind of get to the point where there's that threshold where it's like, okay, how much time am I spending on this versus how much money am I going to make? You know, in, in real estate, I can work with a client for a year before I get paid is it realistic that this is going to come to fruition or this or that? And, you know, just, just not, you know, just not wasting your time. Yeah. Yeah. We always end the podcast by guests just offering one or two pieces of advice to listeners about their entrepreneurial journey and their, and their vision for the future. I'd like to end by asking both of you for a couple of points each. Tammy, perhaps if we start with you on that. I think it's important to be agile. You have to be able to adapt to the environment, to the market, to your audience, to your target customers as well. Really important to be able and willing to adjust. Just as we've spoken heavily about the pivot, it's going to come and you've got to be willing to ride with that wave and go with it. And I think it's important, look, you know, stay in the game. It's easier to stay in the game than it is to get out and try and get back in. 
Yes. Um, so, so keep your head down, keep playing, keep going, and uh, keep your spot in, spot in the game. Yeah. You know, and, and even to build on that, you know, I, I think you have to have the audacity to believe what you are doing, have the audacity to believe um, in what your business and what you're, what you're trying to do, you know? Um, and I think I, even for myself, I've gotten to that point, be unapologetically, you know, unapologetically audacious. Um, when I built my brand, it is because of that is why I made it through the pandemic. It is because of that, um, why I'm moving it from one major city to another, <laughs> from the North to the South. I'm, I have the audacity to believe I will grow it here and beyond the way I did in Detroit. Yeah. Yes. Lee, Tammy, thank you so much for your time on the new PL. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. If you'd like to learn more about what Willie and what Tammy do, then please check out the links and the notes that accompany this podcast. Just before we go, later this month on the 26th of April, we're rolling out the first of our leadership programs titled The Creative Thinking for Leaders. And this is a five-week video-based tutorial course, a mix of lessons and activities aiming to bust some of the myths around creativity and creative thinking in business and offering participants a framework to help free their thinking, embrace their creativity, and help to embed commercial creativity, that's creativity with a commercial purpose, into the heart of business. So if you're a leader or a business owner or an employee or an entrepreneur, and you feel your business could benefit from expanding your creative thinking, then go to principlesandleadership.com and click on the Creative Thinking for Leaders icon to pre-register your interest. And as I say, it'll be available to purchase from the 26th of April later on this month. Finally, please do take a moment to rank us or review us if you enjoyed this podcast. It genuinely helps us and we genuinely appreciate it. So I'm Paul, host of the new PL. Thank you once again for listening and have a great day.